You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss where our outdoor recreation market is within the bullwhip effect chain of events. There was a huge surge in demand early in the pandemic that has affected the market for years now. Now that we're at the end of 2023, where are we in the recovery period? How will participation trends affect market stabilization? And what can the industry do during a period of low demand? Let's get into it. I wanted to talk about like where we are in the bullwhip effect. Because I, I just presented this to my board of directors, sort of like grounding everybody in why everything is slow right now, why brands are so over-inventoried, why money is so tight. And so we just did like a review of 2020 and 21, what happened in 22, and then why everything's tight in 23. Do you have insights from your categories? Because I know you don't, you're you're just starting to get NPD stuff, but like. Yeah, I mean, I don't get inventory data. So it's going to be hard for me to say that I know definitively what stage of of bullwhip we're in in any given category it appears that we're in the we're in the stage at which the tail reverberates and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller but it keeps going for quite some time sort of the ripples in a pond i mean it is the bullwhip effect if you've ever snapped a bullwhip this is exactly what happens so i think i think we are in that that stage of of final reverberations of disruption of demand and I, and I think everybody gets super conservative in this stage. What do you mean by get super conservative? Consumers don't buy as much. Um, yeah. Suppliers don't order as much. Uh, manufacturers don't make as much because everybody's a little freaked out. Yes. Everyone's a little freaked out. That should be the title of the episode. <laughs> everybody's still a little freaked out. Everyone's a little freaked out. Everyone be cool. Yeah. Um, well, we got punched in the face really hard for a long time. Yeah. We, we, the industry, or we, the consumers? Who, who's we? Yes, we are we, all of us. <laughs> I mean, all of us. Yeah, yeah. It's easy now that we're in late 23 to sort of look back and go, oh man, we we made decisions in 20 and 21 that are still affecting us negatively now. I wish we wouldn't have done that. But when when there is a surge in demand, when there's like a shock to our, our normal system, it just totally distorts all of our reactions, you know? In in this case, the shock was upwards and there was significantly more demand for all sorts of outdoor rec products. I know the most about bikes, but I also know that it affected all your categories too, Kelly. All of a sudden, dealers are selling out. Brands are trying to get as much product to dealers as they can. They're trying to get as much product imported as they can. Maybe that's my bias because all of our, you know, like 95% of our bikes are imported, but like they're, they're trying to get as many bikes to come land as they can, but there's shutdowns of factories. There's transportation issues. The price of a container increased tenfold um, during the first few months of the pandemic, you know? And so the response uh, in terms of the supply meeting the demand was just late. And now, now we have so much more product than, than we actually need, you know? And I, I had this graph the other day that showed sort of like a rolling 12 month sales, rolling 12-month inventory, and like you see stability, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see the shock up in sales, down in inventory. And so yeah, there's this gap that widens and then it does this 
And it's just like, it gets, it gets wonky. Um, so in, is and, it doing what in my head, when I say that we're, we're sort of in the tail end of the bulb effect and it, where the tail is just sort of is doing its last reverberations. And we can see that in the data. When you're talking about what the data visualization looks like, are you seeing that in the data? We've seen that in uh, in dealer inventories. We saw right. dealer inventories decimated early in the pandemic. And then we saw dealers inundated with bikes in, in 22. They had way too many bikes because they placed these orders in 20 and 21 that were like, it, it, it's an order that any rational dealer would, would place if they didn't want to leave money on the table, you know? And like the nature of our capitalist economy is that, if people are wanting to buy things, I want to sell them things. And I want to make sure when they come to my door, I've got stuff to sell them. So I'm going to order a hundred units, even if I think, you know, right now demand looks like 50, but last week it was 25. And so I I'm expecting that this is going to continue. And and of course this is where the bulb effect, this is the critical error that causes the bulb effect is that like distortion of the response. Dealers were over inventory, but then dealers really cut back. And so now the dealers are like right sized, you know, the dealers are right where they need to be for the most part, but it's at the brand level where the product is sitting. Uh, and, and it's caused a total disruption to our purchase cycles now too, because if a dealer knows that I can do whatever I want, cause I know the brand is going to have what I need when I need it. So I'm not going to accept any risk that I don't need to accept. Right. I'm going to let the brand hang on to that, that capital. And I'm just going to call upon it when I have a need. Um, confident that it's going to be there because there's twice as many bikes and brand inventories right now compared to pre-pandemic. I mean, it's it's a lot more units. That's interesting. Well, one thing I'm seeing across outdoor, across outdoor specialty is, and this is, I think I'm going to see it in the retail data starting in November when I, when I get it, but I'm seeing a lot of discounting across outdoor specialty. Oh, for sure. During the holidays. That's yeah. That's not necessarily and and thankfully not normal. But I'm watching retailers get rid of their inventory and you know a little bit nervous about probably holiday sales down a bit this yeah. year. So yeah, it's I'm I'm very interested to see the data. But not only are they clearing inventories, but I think there's a again it's everybody's a little bit angsty right now over consumer spending and. You know, the fact that they, they still have a little bit too much inventory in a couple of categories of outdoor and, and, you know, we're heading into a new year. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a difficult time. It, there, there is a lot going on and yes, you know, the tail ends of the bulb effect mean that we don't really, you know, we can, we can map demand, but it's, and, and we're getting closer to stable, a stable point of demand, but it's still, it's still a little wonky and, um, you know, when everybody's a little bit on edge, uh, you never know what yeah. could happen. And I, I mean, I'll say this in every sphere of my life, there is nothing more dangerous than a frightened human. <laughs> like, really, we do crazy stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this smoothing out. And I think, you know, all the things being equal. And when I say that, I mean, it looks like our economy is is stabilizing. Um, I am, yeah. I'm, I'm no longer, I don't think very many economists even are predicting a recession anymore. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, you know, what made me a real believer in this was uh, the report of average interest rates for, for homes going down. Fine. I know. Right. Yes, that was, finally. That, honestly, it felt like, it felt like a weight off my shoulders. I'm like, why am I carrying the world's weight on my shoulders? <laughs> crazy. 
but all of this is related, <laughs> right? The growing yes. stability in our market will be will will definitely feed off the growing stability overall in the economy. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it 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 does still kind of suck out there, though. Um, it's tough. It's tough. But I think, you know, we've talked about this before, that the unique position that outdoor is in is that we're not just selling a durable good. We're not just selling a big piece of equipment, but we're selling an experience. And that experience, you know, you can add layers of socializing and family time and making core memories and, you know, physical fitness and mental health and all this stuff. You know, there's so many opportunities for outdoor rec to sort of position itself aside from some luxury activities that that could be more affected by a downturn in consumer spending or, or gloomier consumer sentiment. But maybe that's my my optimism. I, t- I tend to lean towards optimism because yeah. I'm someone who wants to go outside when I'm no, no matter if the economy is good or bad. For me, the outdoors is my contingency plan, right? Just sort of like robbing a bank is my retirement contingency plan. <laughs> you know, I plan where to rob it. I know where I'm going to end up in federal prison. That gives me health care, friends, housing. I mean, get out of here. Yours. <laughs> like if, you know, when it, when everything goes to hell, yeah, I go outside for sure. Um, and mm-hmm. I need a new pair of shoes to do it, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, you know, we're dealing with a consumer though, and, and bear with me on this. And more consumers. So we feel this too. You know, mm-hmm. in the past four years, our grocery prices are up really significantly. Yes. Uh, you know, our our housing costs are up really significantly. And that and although, you know, inflation has eased, which is great. We're down to what, three, three point two um, was the last report, which is great. It's headed in the right direction. Everybody seems to be feeling calm. Mm-hmm. You know, um uh, overall interest rates are falling and the Fed is holding fast on interest rates in their own right now so well, and they're they're planning on maybe cutting next year to q q1 or q2 right? i hope so um i would expect q2 frankly unless it that's may- what i was thinking yeah unless we see some some like significant variance in employment or or you know in some other other metric that's really important to them yeah uh, i i don't think they're going to be hasty i think it's going to be q2 i think that there's enough erratic movement in the market right now that we're not gonna it won't be q1 but i could be wrong we can we can circle back and we can either uh celebrate being right or we can go well you know that's research Sorry, we were wrong <laughs> <laughs> well you know if we go back and listen through our episodes we're usually right i'm gonna give us i'm gonna give us a's on usually being right about what we're talking about and having the yeah. tone about something like I mean, as we talk about the bullet effect, yeah, you know, our industry, it was traumatized in a, kind of a good way for a while oh. and then a bad way for a while. And we're That's kind such of, an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Traumatized. That's exactly what it is. And we're still like carrying that yeah. trauma with us. And we're, Damn. Trying, we're trying to figure it out and heal. And, you know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. I, think we're, I think we're headed there now. And I mean, it doesn't appear to be healing in a a terrible direction, you know, all, it seems to be healing in a way that will be healthy for outdoor, you know, the outdoor industries is still focused on things like sustainability and diversity, despite yeah. being under pretty heavy economic pressure because consumers don't have a lot of disposable income. They're still engaging. The message of experience outdoors is still penetrating the market, which is great. So I expect that I expect us to this to get better and better you know, until the until the next disruptor happens, and hopefully, it's not going to be as significant as a global pandemic. Yeah. Am I joining you on my optimism for once? Well, you know, it's also pragmatism. It's also like this market is not forever. You know, 
I think the optimism that I carry with me is that there are more people riding bikes than we've ever measured before, right? And the fact that there's a downturn in demand, there's a real cooling in demand, doesn't mean that folks are ditching the bike. It means that folks made a huge investment in equipment in 2020 and 21, and they don't need new equipment right now. And we've talked about this with Toby earlier this year. We've talked about this a few other times, just you and me, but like, if you can just, if, if local dealers can just establish relationships with outdoor participants, cyclists or runners or hikers or whatever, and offer them some value in, in the form of information or, or guidance or advice or offer them accessories and, and apparel and things that aren't like such huge durable goods like a bicycle or like a snowboard or like a tent. The opportunity is there to make that sale when the purchase cycle resumes. It's just that we all like synced our purchase cycles in 2020 and 21 when we had government stipends and we had nothing else to do and we couldn't travel, you know, like I, I canceled a trip to Europe, but I bought a new bike in 2020. I wasn't planning on buying a new bike, like zooming out and having that long-term uh, vision, I think is, is what gives me optimism. Good. Said like a true economist. I really, really like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And your categories too, like you have more people participating in outdoor rec. Say the least. And we've got 14 and a half million more participants and that's probably growing. I'm probably going to be talking about 16 million additional participants this time next year. And that's the thing. We saw growth over 2020. There, There were 104 million riders in America over the age of three in 2020, there were 108 million in 22, right? And that's that's an increase in participation rate and that's an increase in the absolute number of Americans riding a bike. Now the frequency is down because my everyone's frequency is down. There We've never had as much leisure time as we did in 2020 when there were no other constraints on our time, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, that's a metric that I'll bring up in conversations and and folks get worried about it. But then I I challenge people like, are you writing as much as you were in 2020? Or are you spending as much time outside as you were in 2020? Because I know I'm not. Well, get out there. But, but we're, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm, I'm trying. I, yeah, we got to record this episode so I can get outside before it gets dark. It's totally got it. Well, but, it'll be dark for me when it's over. Bomber. Yeah, the, those folks are going to make purchases to support their activity. We just need need to be able to like hang on during this time when we're like in the middle of a purchase cycle. So I, I you know, I managed a bike shop in Hawaii. Yeah. Island triathlon and bike. Hey, Frank, hope everything's good. But, you know, one of the things that we focused on after we sold the bike was inviting them back for maintenance, you know, to buy accessories, yeah. to talk to us about trails, to watch a little movie, you know, it was, it was a matter of, of community of building that community. And, and when they had a problem with the bike or when they thought about anything related to the bike or when they thought about information they needed to ride somewhere on the Island, they came to us because they knew that we, and they felt like, you know, we, we just were so accessible and it was Island triathlon on bikes. So we talked a lot about tri, but I mean, it, that was when mountain biking was just getting started too. It was awesome. <laughs> I, did some crazy, I did some crazy things in the day, <laughs> but it was, it was all, it was really, a lot of it was about engaging the customer. And back then I, you know, it was, it was basically an air force base and a Navy base put together. If anybody's ever been or mm-hmm. knows a little something about December 7th, Pearl Harbor is connected to Hickam air force base. And you yeah. can actually, it's, it's really cool. They're, they had, so we were, we were a bike shop 
that, and we had two more doors on the island, but we had a bike shop on that base. And so we dealt mostly with military guys, um, whether they were Air Force, a lot of Navy guys. And I love the Navy guys because they were out to sea a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. And so they'd come back and they'd need more stuff. Like they'd go out on their cruise, they'd come back, they'd need a bunch of stuff. Or, you know, so they, they brought their buddies in to buy bikes, which was my favorite thing ever. Amazing. Right. And yeah. it was, it's sort of the same thing. It's, you know, you, you now maybe you, you have to figure out who your customers are and, and work with them and build that community. Because yeah, if, if I'm going to spend, honestly, Patrick, if I'm going to spend $10,000 on a bike, I want, yeah. I want support. Oh so, yeah. You know, so this year people for bikes contracted Naxion thinking to do a study of the e-bike curious. And it was really trying to define the potential market for electric bicycles. And we identified a lot of like drivers and motivations and and we we did a deep dive into demographics. And we also spent a lot of time focusing on barriers. What's what's kept you from buying this product that you've you've identified a need for, or at least a desire to purchase an electric bike? You yeah. have some idea of what you want. Why haven't you pulled the trigger yet? And some of the biggest barriers were just information, just just the simplest sorts of information like uh where can i safely ride this where can i get service for this was a really big one like i i want to know that when i have this electric bicycle i'm not going to be wasting my investment i will be met with like a network of knowledgeable repair folks and service folks at local shops that can help me maintain this you know because a lot of electric bikes are sold direct to consumer maybe and so it'll show up on your doorstep and then you go okay well i don't really have that connection with the shop. There's such a huge opportunity there for shops um, to step in and go, hey, we can take care of you. Come on by. We'll, we'll fix your bike. I'll tell you where to ride it. I can tell you where you can you can have a great whatever, a yeah. cup of coffee halfway through, you know, like all this stuff. There's there's such, like, there's a wealth of information at that shop. And um, connecting those dots is really critical to uh, generating that that market activity. This all makes me want to build an app and and um, inject it with AI for outdoor, so that I can ask Alexa, Alexa, where do I get my where where can I get my e bike prepared? Boom. And- yeah, that's it. Like just just helping folks, helping instill confidence in the consumer. I think is the key. Yeah, that and just engage. I'm telling you, it's en- engaging. Some of it can be online, right? But God, you know, let's. It'd be nice to see people, you know, actually especially in specialty retail, getting yeah. together again. I don't that know. was one of the biggest things that we learned in our COVID participation study. So we did like a uh, a pretty comprehensive study towards the end of 2020, uh, measuring the participants who came into cycling during the pandemic. So, so we looked at new riders who were folks that hadn't ever ridden before the pandemic, lapsed riders who who hadn't ridden for a period of time before the pandemic, existing riders, cross participants, like folks who were riding indoors and then the pandemic hit and they went outdoors or vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Um, so lots and lots of demographic and psychographic information here, but like, well, we asked about motivation to keep riding past the pandemic. Like what, what would keep you on your bike after everything goes back to normal? I forget exactly how the question was phrased, but that's what we we're trying to get at. It's like, this is a pretty unique time for outdoor rec. What happens when you go back to the office or what happens when you have, you know, you, you take your kid to the the rec soccer league again, like you were doing before the pandemic. Uh, what what would keep you on the bike? 
And a lot of folks, the majority of folks said an invitation from a friend or a family member or organized rides from a shop, you know, like that's that sense of community because folks came to this activity in a time when you might've been doing it sort of in isolation because we weren't socializing the same way, but having that community and connecting with people and yeah. connecting with your local shop is, is like what folks were hungry for. Do you think that I should start Kelly's crazy e-bike ride in my hometown? Yes, I know nothing about it, but I want to do <laughs> Would you go? I'll, I'll support you. Yeah, I've got I've got an in with graphic designers. We can whip up some logos. Kelly's crazy e-bike ride. Let's make it in like maybe you should do like Monday nights. Kelly's crazy Monday night e-bike ride. Yeah. Go perfect. Home. That's the I, craziest I, night of all. It, honestly, I could put on a crazy e-bike ride. <laughs> Think of all the races you did. I don't know if you were, I, I was a, I was a triathlete and then did silly races sometimes. Right. Like there was this one race I did. I think it was like San Diego where if you ate spam and did shots of alcohol, you got time, like, you know, basically erased from your. That's from your wild. Bed. It was hilarious. It was, it was just, it was for charity. It was for fun. And yeah. uh, I mean, if you brought a stuffed animal and put it in a tree, you got a minute off. I mean, stuff like that. It was it was so fun. And I was thinking the other day about something like a Kelly's Crazy e-bike ride. Wouldn't it be super fun to do stuff like that? Like once a week, it's like yeah. a little, it's a fun little. Well, it's like a, I was a hasher too. I was a hash house harrier runner where basically they call themselves a drinking club with a running problem. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it, I love it. it really is. That's like, too funny. You're in the middle of the woods and you run into somebody in a costume with a cooler full of jello shots and you're being forced <laughs> to do that. You're a hasher. That was. <laughs> and oh, by the way, you, you still had three miles to run. So yeah, so, forget that. Good little drunk runner. <laughs> yeah. And I want to talk about motivations just for a second because it, we're, we're right. You know, I want to, I want to give a sneak peek into our grand New Year's episode, right? Mm-hmm. About New Year's mm-hmm. resolutions. I was I was talking to one of our, our new leadership members this week about camping. And we were just sort of trading data on camping. And we were talking about the motivations and, and what happened during the pandemic because there are almost something like nine, nine plus million new campers. And they've stuck around. They're still camping. And so we were talking about how people were experiencing camping for the first time. And uh, we were talking a lot about tent camping. And I said, well, has anybody ever parsed it to backyard? Has anybody ever asked whether the first camping experience most people had was in a backyard? And And so we talked about it for a long time. And we ended up talking about... And you know how my conversations usually go. (laughs) But Yeah, they're recorded. Blanket forts. Blanket forts. Oh, I, I saying, love it. What if we found out that that forty percent of us had you know have blanket forts and and the next and we saw camping as a step in the the next step, like to the backyard next step to a campsite mm-hmm. next step backcountry, you know hot tents if you if you get super core, but we we're so we were talking a lot about that. And I was talking about what if you had a branded product that was basically a pop up blanket fort. Holy I love it. Right? I love it. Anyway, without giving too much away, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions and why they mattered outdoor. You know, why it's not just a ha-ha, this is going to be cute. Why this really matters and why it's such a huge opportunity in the outdoor industry. That's perfect. Let's let that be the cliffhanger. I think we did it. Right on. The end, question mark. Dun, dun, dun.
Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.